We're talking today with Ram Essential Services Property Fund, ASX code REP. Uh, it's an Australian real estate investment trust that invests in high quality Australian medical and essential retail real estate assets leased to essential services tenants. The listed product is part of the wider Real Asset Management Group. Uh, the fund's objective is to provide investors with capital growth through an exposure to high quality defensive portfolio of assets with favourable sector trends. Uh, the stock has a market cap of around $416 million and a yield at present of around 7%. We have with us the CEO, Scott Kelly. Scott, thanks for your time. Nice to see you in Sydney. Yeah, hi Tim, how are you doing? Now Scott, um, can you provide, for, the, for investors who don't know the Ram Essential Services Property Fund, it's part of a bigger group, can you kind of give us a bit more colour uh, in terms of explaining who you are? Yeah, sure. So, so Real Asset Management is a fully independent asset management business focused on three areas, being number one real estate, number two credit and fixed income, and a relatively small private equity business. So we've been around for more than a decade. We manage uh, over $4 billion of assets and predominantly it's in those three asset classes that we specialise. And in regards to the, the property fund, which we're talking about today, um, can, you, can you talk through the geographic exposures and locations and, and how that plays out within the investment strategy? So the fund is the Ram Essential Services Property Fund. It's got two components to it, being essential retail, which is kind of Coles and Woolies supermarkets, and medical assets. And when we say medical assets, we mean pure medical assets, being private hospitals, daycare centres, that kind of stuff. The reason I emphasise that is because that if you want exposure to the underlying themes like ageing population, uh, then you want exposure to the pure assets rather than having gyms or, or office that happens to be, have a medical tenant. So those are the two, the two sectorial exposures. And when you blend them together, you get a nice robust uh, income stream across the, that portfolio that's you know, weathered well during all the stress tests we've had uh, in recent years and punches out a nice yield. So if you bought it today, you'd have a 7% yield. In terms of geographic exposure, uh, we're less sensitive, but we are in six different states across the country. Um, we've got 35 assets in those two sectors. And where we position the fund, obviously we want geographic diversification, but really it's, it's opportunity-led. Where do we think we can get the best risk-adjusted deals for the investor? Scott, how, how did the assets perform over COVID? We saw office trusts obviously severely impacted by COVID. Mm. Uh, is the defensive nature of the assets mean that you've been somewhat protected? Yeah, absolutely right. So during the COVID period, uh, which was actually pre-listed, pre so the worst of COVID in all the lockdowns, we still had 96% cash collection. So 96% of the expected rent still came through. In fact, that was really the genesis to listing the product. Pri previously, it was the retail fund and the medical fund. We bolted them together and listed them as the essential service property fund. Uh, and during COVID, of course, the, the phrase essential service was ringed by the government. So, so hen hence the name. So really it was, a, it was the genesis of listing this was really the demand we felt after it being proved up during that stress test of all stress tests, which was the COVID period. And in terms of the balance sheet, how's the balance sheet look at present in terms of debt and leverage? When we listed, we said we keep the, the, the gearing at around about low 30s. Uh, it sits at 32% now. Um, we have plenty of air he headroom in that facility to, to do the capex that we want to improve the assets over time. Uh, and we've hedged around about 60% of that debt. So we fixed uh, out that debt for a, an average tenure of two and a half years. So we think we've got a pretty solid 
uh, financing situation. And of course you had your first half uh, 2023 announcement out today in terms of dividend per unit, you're looking around 2.9 cents. Um, now that's a payout ratio of around 105%. What can investors expect in regards to that payout ratio moving forward? So every time we've, we've announced so far, we've been at least bang on the money in terms of what we, what we said we would do. Uh, and we're reconfirming that guidance of so between 5.6 on an annualised basis, 5.7 to 5.8. So that, that smooths out the sort of half yearly picture because we've got a lot of cash flow coming in in the second half of the year, which will mean we're paying out around about 96% of FFO. So the payout ratio is 96 when you smooth out the two half years. And that's maintaining a dividend around that 7%, is that right? Yeah, so the yield at the moment, so the, the, the distribution per security is 5.7 to 5.8, but based on the fact that it's around 81 at the moment, uh, if you buy in today, you'd get that dividend yield of around about 7%, just over probably. As at the 31st of December 2022, the weighted average capitalisation rate of the portfolio was around 5.5%. How do you see cap rates moving forward over the short to medium term? I think it depends on different sectors. So probably there's a little bit more to play out in some sectors and we'll probably, you can probably guess where, where they are, but not they're not the essential sectors. So they're not, they're not all the ones that we're exposed to. We think we've had a little bit of weakness in some of our, uh, the retail and the medical areas, but we haven't felt that in our uh, assets particularly, uh, and we don't expect that going forward. I think one of the reasons is that investors now are a bit discerning about which sector they're exposing themselves to uh, within, within the commercial real estate space. And both domestically and indeed overseas investors are, are still looking to invest in defensive, higher yielding um, sectors with rock solid valuations and rock solid cash flow. So that never really goes away, but it's probably still a heightened uh, thing on, on investors' minds, both domestically and overseas. And of course, on investors' minds is inflation. It's rife across the uh, economy. Are your rents protected in terms of rising inflation? They are. So about a third of our rents are, are directly linked to CPI and CPI+. Plus. We then also have a component that's fixed. So we have fixed annual escalators in our leases. And the nature of supermarket leases is that they're sometimes linked to, or mostly linked to turnover. So we get extra linkage to inflation, you know, if Coles and Woolies do well, then we get a bit more rent flowing through. So overall, more than 90% of the leases are linked to annual escalators in excess of 3.4%. So it depends on your view of inflation, uh, but we've got some natural hedging in place there. And, and just finally, you touched on the kind of the sub-sectors within, within the fund. How do, how do you see those performing moving forward? So where we play, um, I guess, sort of similar sort of stories in that we, I think neighbourhood, grocery anchored, retail, and certainly at the ticket size we, we, we play it. You know, the average uh, asset values are kind of in the $25 million across the 35 assets. Those are sort of very strong and remain strong. And then within the medical sector, you have really that structural imbalance between money wanting to buy into the sector and the supply of assets. So you'll have interest in medical development funds, for example, uh, and you'll definitely have interest from overseas investors. And you know, the super funds are, are still not allocated to the sector, which in itself could be a massive um, source of demand for those kind of assets. Scott Kelly, thanks for your time. Thank you, Tim.